like, there's a lot of going on. There's a lot of hair going on. And I told him, I've been really patient. And it's not like good hair, like Paul's. I mean, Paul's got good hair going on. Paul's got good hair. It's kind of like, it's kind of like, it's like kind of just, it's just, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be that dad, like, high and tight, you know, or, you know, I'm not trying to be like a jerk, but he wanted to, he's got a, he's got a hair, or a hair appointment. He doesn't have a hair appointment. He's a boy. He's got a haircut scheduled tomorrow. He's getting his hair did. Um, so he's an appointment to have his hair cut tomorrow and he wants to not go because he's never met this lady is it new is it new new person yes okay we'll talk about it later okay it's a new person he's like i don't want to go i've never met this person i'm like son there's a lot of things in life that you're gonna have to do that you don't want to do that you don't like to do like this is pretty easy one you're getting your <laughs> like again. It doesn't like, but you're going to get your haircut. You're not going to back out of this appointment to get your haircut. That this person, I mean, this person's relying on they, you know, their schedule. This is their income. They're waiting. They're they're expecting him to show up tomorrow to get a whatever, however many dollar haircut. That's their job, right? I mean, right? Dollar, a lot of dollars. It feels like it's a lot of dollars. <laughs> I don't know why it costs so much. I cut my own. Right. <laughs> Not every day, but every three days or so. I don't know. It's pretty long, girl. It's pretty long. And I didn't even schedule it. I didn't push him on it. it he asked for it. And now he's changing his tune. So, so, so I really do think it's like this apprehension, I guess, is where I'm going with it, right? But my point is, look at Romans, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. Well, sometimes we have to say, God is in my knowledge, even if I don't like it. And I know that sounds kind of weird, coming from a pastor. Like, you should think, like, he thinks about God all the time. No, this morning, when our dog went to the bathroom in the house, and then stepped in it, and was running around the house, and wouldn't sit... I was not as godly as I would have liked to have been. <laughs> she lived. She has no damage. You don't need to report me to anyone. Mostly strong words. Sometimes we don't like to retain God in our knowledge. Sometimes we don't know God. But I think most of us, certainly I think the folks in this room, folks that might be listening online or hear this later, they know God. We just don't necessarily like to retain him in our knowledge. And what that means is we don't want to make our decisions in light of God. We don't want to, make our, we don't want to speak in light of God. We don't want to sacrifice in light of God. We just want to do our own thing. That's not retaining God. And then as a result, sometimes the person's disobedience, in this case, Pharaoh's disobedience to God, has collateral effects or collateral damage. The nation of Israel was seen as having time on their hands because they wanted to get away for a couple of And this rebound is 
times in your life where it's like, oh, don't, don't, don't go ask the boss for that or don't, don't bring it up to mom and dad or don't, don't upset dad because it's just going to be worse or whatever. Like this rebound effect, sometimes it's easier just to stay, keep, your, keep your head down and keep quiet, right? That's kind of what the nation of Israel was dealing with here, the children of Israel. They're kind of frustrated, and we'll see this play out, because Moses and Aaron going to Pharaoh, asking for a few days away, well, you've got time on your hands. We're not going to give you straw. Go get your, go get your own straw. We're going to make your life harder, right? So the rebound effect was real, and the confrontation arguably made it worse. The confrontation arguably made it worse. But notice, when the righteous are in a rule, the people learn, it, look, at the end of the day, today it was Moses and Aaron showing up, it would have just been something else tomorrow. When the wicked are in charge, we've actually talked about this, people mourn, but when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. There's, a, there's an interesting, I didn't include it here, there's an interesting passage in the book of Esther, uh, Esther, to go into a lot of detail, but there's some craziness in Esther that happens, and the whole city is perplexed by the leadership's approach to things. Like, when, when leadership is not right, people are just, people are unsettled. Matthew 2, 3, when, king, when Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and because he was troubled, guess what? All troubled with him. See, and just, I think, in the next verse or the verse after, he goes and starts killing right, because of it. Like, he goes and starts killing kids. So when a king is troubled, when a king is wicked, when he's prideful, there's going to be the, this issue anyway. Calling the question, you can't down low enough. It was just a matter of before of Israel, the thumb to be a little tighter, the thumb was going to be pressed down a little harder on them. So it brings us to our struggle. So that's the situation. The struggle, now the struggle, notice up here, the verses are 6 through 21. 6 through 21. I only have a few verses here. This is the majority of the text. I'm going to read it and just bear with me. Um, so I'm actually going to advance from here. So if you have scripture to follow along, I'm going to go to this slide because... This is important. You'll have some fill in the blanks. But notice in 6 through 9, Pharaoh instructs the taskmasters. Now, this is on the back of your page. I should have said On the back bottom of your page, and that's for a reason. Okay, so you'll have to flip over, fill it in, back bottom, for a reason. Pharaoh instructs the taskmasters. And the Lord said, oh, that's, that's Exodus 4. Exodus uh, 5 would be better. And Pharaoh commanded the same day their taskmasters of the people and their officers, saying, Ye shall no more give the people straw to make brick as heretofore. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. And, t and the tale of the bricks, uh, that, uh, which they did make heretofore, ye shall lay upon them. Ye shall not diminish aught thereof, for they be idle. Therefore they cry, saying, Let us go and sacrifice to our God. Let their more work be laid upon the men, that they may labor therein, and let them not regard vain words. So the, the Pharaoh is instructing the taskmasters, taskmasters to push down on the children of Israel. Get more. You know how to get 25 hours out of a 24-hour day? 
get up an hour before you go to bed. Like you're, you're going to have more expectations. That's a joke. You're going to have more expectations. You're not going to get any more pay. You're not getting the corner office. You're not getting promotion. We're just piling more work on you. Like who has had that experience at work at some point, right? In this case, it was their life. It was the, it was the way they were just being treated. Now in verse 14, the taskmasters then command Israel. So there's a communication pathway. This is important. So bear with me. And the taskmasters of the people went out and their officers and they spake unto the, pe to the people saying, Thus saith Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go ye, get you straw where you can find it. Yet, not aught of your work should be diminished. Like you can't, you have your X number of quota bricks per day. You still got to get that done. But now you got to go find your own straw. So the people were scattered abroad throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble instead of straw. Like they don't even have like straw, like they've got to go just find sticks and, and, and stuff, you know, wherever they can find it. And the taskmasters hasted them saying, fulfill your works, your daily task, as when there was straw. And the officers of the children of Israel, which uh, Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and demanded, wherefore have ye not fulfilled your task in making brick both yesterday and today as heretofore? Like literally, they're now beaten. So the taskmasters command Israel. Pharaoh to taskmasters, taskmasters to Israel. It's important. So Israel then complains directly to Pharaoh. The, like the officers do. The officers of the children of Israel came and cried to Pharaoh, saying, "Wherefore dealest thou with us? Uh, with uh, dealest thou thus with thy servants? There is no straw given unto thy servants, and they say to us, Make brick. And behold, the servants, uh, thy servants are beaten. But the fault is in thine own people. Like you're not even giving us what you need, what we need to make straw or to make brick, and you're beating us because we can't make brick. So he complains, and then." In verses 17 to 19, Pharaoh reinforces his position. But he said, you're idle. You're idle. If in case you didn't hear me the first time. <laughs> Therefore, ye say, let us go and do sacrifice to the Lord. So clearly you got time on your hands. Go find straw. Now there, go, there, uh, go therefore now and work. For there shall be no, no straw be given you. Yet ye shall deliver the tail of the bricks, the, the stack, whatever the stack was. And the officers of the children of Israel did, the, uh, did see that they were evil in, uh, evil in case. And after it was said, ye shall not, diminish, uh, not minish uh, aught from your bricks of your daily task. Like, the burden remains the exact same. It's still super hard. All, everything's got to be the exact same. Everything's just made worse because Pharaoh was, had two guys come and say, hey, we'd like to go have a feast. And the world just gets out of control. I mean, it's crazy. Verses 19, or in 20 and 21, the children of Israel confront Moses and Aaron, or Moses and Aaron are confronted. And they met Moses and Aaron, who stood in the It's like seeing Moses and Aaron standing there, and the officers coming back from being beaten and having this interaction, and just like them wagging their head at him, just like, what were you thinking? Like, it was bad enough before. You guys have literally just made our lives miserable. You've made it worse. I don't know how it could have got worse, but you made it worse. And they said unto them, The Lord look upon you and judge because ye have made our savor to be a board in the eyes of Pharaoh 
and in the eyes of his servants to put a sword in their hand to slay us. Like, I can't even believe you, Moses and Aaron. What, what were you thinking? So, there's practical implications to this. We need to spend some practical... So you'll probably have to flip your page back over. Maybe it's back up toward the top. I remember. There's an upward focus. Oh, how things changed quickly. I don't know if you remember, but the last one of the last verses we looked at the previous week, and the people believed, and when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel, and that He had looked upon their affliction, they bowed their head and worshipped. Finally, God heard us. He sent us two guys that are going to go to Pharaoh and deliver us. And in the matter of minutes, days, I don't know, pretty short period of time, Moses and Aaron for Pharaoh. The proverbial stuff hits the fan. Life is a lot harder. And they said unto them, The Lord look upon you and judge, because you've made our Savior to be aboard in the eyes of, the, of Pharaoh and in the eyes of his servants to put a sword in their hands to slay us. Like a couple minutes ago, days ago, a few hours ago, maybe even. For, Sacrifice, you're uh, worshiping God, but you don't like the way. A few weeks ago, I referenced uh, Princess Leia because I feel like every once in a while you need to reference Star Wars, right? <coughs> Excuse me. Princess Leia doesn't like the way Luke and Han Solo were saving her. Well, you probably don't have a plan to get us out of here, do you? No, Princess. You want to go back in the jail cell? Like, you're not even happy to see us? It is amazing how quickly the children of Israel are fickle. And guess what? This is not going to be the last time. Exodus 14. And they said to Moses, Because there were graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? The Lord has opened the walked across on dry land and he has led them miraculously then they're like well could we have not died back in Egypt were there no kids to bury us there that we needed to come all the way out here to be I mean the children and, and look pastors I, I do it would take jabs at the children of Israel we are all like this yeah. we are all like this we say something like God show up in a very supernatural way, do something ma- you know magnificent at my job, and what we think is more money, better position, less responsibility, or whatever. And what He does is He puts you on a plane next to the person that's maybe a frustration, and you have to restore a relationship or build a relationship. Like He's 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 operating on a completely different plane, although He's on your plane, <laughs> different plane. Then we operate. We put all these conditions, all these expectations on God. The children of Israel were probably fully expecting Moses and Aaron to walk in and Pharaoh to say, oh, okay, go on out. And then they had this amazing disappointment when that isn't the way it goes down. God must not love us. God must not really be God because it's not going the way I thought it would. Well, the last time I checked, that would make you God. And you're not, nor am I. Right? So the upward focus changes super quick. Just one minute, they're, they're oh God, you're great. We're, we're humbled. We're worshiping you. And the next, they're like, hmm, 
your God didn't show up. I mean, look, look at the way, I'll go back up here. Look at the way they're even talking to Moses and Aaron. The Lord looked at you and judged because ye have made. Like, Lord didn't, my God didn't show up. Lord judge you. Frustration sets in. So, further down, and they, in the same passage, but, and they met Moses and Aaron and stood in the way as they came forth Pharaoh, and they said unto them, Look, uh, the Lord look upon you and judge, because ye have made our be a board in the eyes of Pharaoh. Now, this is kind of interesting. I dipped from this well not too long ago, and I, th- I said something like, What's in your wallet? I, I remember I put uh and I can't remember what it was. But, but what do you, so, so this is like, what do you, what do you smell like? <laughs> You know, savor. That's what that means. Is what our work that we were doing, our relationship with Pharaoh, our smell of the relationship was fine before Moses and Aaron got involved. Well, was it really fine? Because they were crying redemption. They were crying for the affliction. This is almost like, well, they weren't beating us as bad as they're beating us now. It's like the old adage, you know, beatings will continue until morale approves. I don't know if you've heard that at your work, but the beatings will continue until you have a better attitude. <laughs> right? I mean, they were, this was not that they, were, that they were living it up in the nation of Egypt. They were slaves they were afflicted. They cried unto God because of that. And it gets worse. And now they're mad at God. Yet they don't even see. The, the, the whole story hasn't even played out. So their smell. Smell to Pharaoh is now not as good. Well, it's, it's poetic. I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe there is a little bit of a play because... I don't know if you've ever been to certain parts of the world where, say, deodorant isn't as prevalent, but do generally have are odiferous uh, in their presentation. So maybe, maybe they now don't just smell like sweat. Maybe they now smell like sweat and dried blood. But they feel like they've lost their testimony, this relationship with Pharaoh. Notice in, in 2 Corinthians 2, we are, for we are a sweet savor of Christ in them that are saved and in them that perish. Now this is, so watch the curveball here. To the one we are the savor, the smell of death unto death, and other the savor of life I was, I've been talking with somebody who's got difficult relationships in their, in their family. Difficult relationships. And the reason the relationships are difficult is because the person I've been working with is doing the right thing. As crazy as that sounds, the dysfunction, kind of like what Sam talked about this morning, dysfunction feeds dysfunction and likes dysfunction. Finally, this one person is no longer dysfunctional. Finally, this person is bringing some semblance of rationale, order, just reasonableness into the relationship and that somehow made it worse because to them to their family they're the savor of death unto death they're reminding them of their dysfunction 
do not be surprised when you step out and try to serve the Lord. Those that are not serving the Lord around you, and Sam even talked about some of them might even be in the church, are going to be bothered by that. Why? Because you're reminding them that they're not doing it. That they don't have that. It, it, it never ceases to amaze me the number of people who say, I just want to serve the Lord. And then the first, I mean, I, I, I can't give you names, but I can give you names of people I have counseled with. I've talked at the altar with, I've met in the hallway, I've met in offices where they decided to get discipled. They've decided to step forward in their faith. They decided to sacrifice their careers. They decided to move to another part of the country. And somebody close to them says, you're an idiot. The attack always comes. It always comes. It just happens that way. And I do think it's the Lord proving out our faith. To some, we're a savor of death unto death. The Israelites, the children of Israel, a savor of death unto death to Pharaoh. Because he knows that he doesn't know their God. I know that's a little... Doesn't In 1 John 3, this is the children, the children of God are manifest and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God. Neither he that loveth, or neither he that loveth not his brother. Your actions are calling a question. And Moses and Aaron's actions in going before Pharaoh called the question. And Pharaoh would have none of it. Even in Revelation 3, we, we talk about this. And this is eerily similar to the smell, to the taste, right? You've probably, you, you probably know that those two senses are, in fact, linked, right? You lose, your, you lose your ability to taste if you have a cold or even in some cases if you just hold your nose and don't have the ability to, to breathe in through your nose, you can lose uh, a range of taste. Those two concepts, the smell and taste are inextricably linked biologically, physiologically probably is a better way of saying it. I know that cold nor hot. I, I would, Jesus says, that were cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither spew thee in my mouth. So it's not just a temperature thing. Like I've had, I've had lukewarm soup and I don't want to spit it out. It's not just a temperature thing. There is a component of our relationship with God and our relationship with others that if we're not a sweet-smelling savor of life, we're going to be a sweet-smelling savor, a, 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 a savor, and, and it is sweet, unfortunately, a sweet-smelling savor unto death. This is our outward testimony. So this brings us to our first victory principle. Short-term resistance is often validation that you're going the right direction. Okay? It's often validation that you're headed the right direction. Somebody says... I'm thinking about signing up for LFBI because I want to grow in my faith. And guess what? Somebody says, I want to try to restore the relationship with my child that hasn't been right forever. And all of a sudden, 
their spouse is the, you know, a problem or something, or doesn't like that, is worried about losing the relationship, or, or their best friend that they haven't talked to in years comes out of the woodwork and wants to go drinking, or wh- I mean, just like whatever it is, like fill in the blank. There's always going to be an attack. There's always, always going to be an attack. So the victory in this, I think, is pretty cool. So the very end of this passage, so verses 22 through uh, 6, 1. So three verses, 22, 23, and verse 1. And Moses returned unto the Lord and said, Lord, wherefore hast thou so evilly entreated this people? Why is it that thou hast sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in thy name, he hath done evil to this people. Neither hast thou delivered thy people at all. Then the Lord said unto Moses in chapter 6, verse 1, Now shalt thou see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand, with a strong hand shall he let them go. And with a strong hand he shall drive them out of his land. So this is very, very interesting. Two Two really important words in this passage. First is why. Moses says, why is it that thou hast sent me? And I, I argue that certain events needed to transpire. God needed to give Pharaoh the opportunity to respond. He, Pharaoh could have said, I don't know who this God is. Tell me about this God. I want to understand this God. Why do you think he is the God of heaven and earth? Why do you think he's the God over my gods? He could have said that, but he didn't. God literally gave a chance. It's a chance that he take, and it's actually a chance that God knows he wouldn't take, but God is still faithful to give a chance. In Exodus 3, 19, hopefully you're right there. You can turn over a page or so. Exodus 3, 19 God says to Moses, and I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. No, not by a mighty hand. So we're not even spending the time of why does Moses not see this. But Moses says, God, why did you send me in? And God's response in part is, so I can hold Pharaoh accountable to the opportunity. I can hold Pharaoh accountable chance to have done right. And let me just say, let me just say, evangelism, and here, here I'm going to use very specific words, evangelism is not soul winning. Okay, hear me out. Evangelism is communicating the gospel. Sometimes that results in soul winning, right? Sometimes people accept. Evangelism is what we are called to do not soul win. We are called to go and preach the gospel and there will be some that will get saved. We are called to disciple and sometimes discipleship looks like somebody going and meeting a few times and saying, I can't commit to that. We are faithful in calling the question in their lives. That is the response. Jesus in John 6 turns around to the, to the rest, the, to the disciples that stay and says, will you leave to oh, because I ask a hard question instead of trying to it, are you also leave? Jesus is okay with people not being prepared yet to follow him. He can work with that. 
Sometimes there's issues, there's consequence to that, but he can work with that. But it's calling the question. And Moses and Aaron go before Pharaoh and they call the question. They give him. So it's the second interesting word here, the word now. I don't know if you saw it in chapter 6 and verse 1. Then the Lord said unto Moses, Shalt thou see what I will do to Pharaoh? I, why? Was he charge in and have Moses and Aaron just kill Pharaoh right out of the gate? No. Even though he knew Pharaoh was not going to respond, he or affirm, you know, was not going to gave Pharaoh the chance. He gave Pharaoh the chance. And God and he God holds him accountable to the same actions he took. Now this is why it's on the back bottom. Because look at this. Pharaoh instructed the taskmasters. God instructed Moses and Aaron. So don't write yet. Just read, read this. Don't write yet. The taskmasters commanded Israel. Moses and Aaron commanded Pharaoh. Israel complains to Pharaoh. Pharaoh complains about God. Pharaoh reinforces his position. His position. Moses and Aaron are confirmed. And in this case, Moses and Aaron are promised. It's literally the same march. Pharaoh does the exact same thing as God, or arguably God does the exact same thing as Pharaoh. He holds Pharaoh to the exact same standard that he would to any, of any of He gives us the opportunity to respond. And when either we do, we get blessed, or we don't. And he I had a t-shirt, or I wore a t-shirt, a buddy of mine, matter of fact, he, he goes here back when we were in high school together, he made a shirt that said, Jesus took man's hell. Back, all you have to do is reject him. All you have to do is nothing. All you have to do is say, no, thank you. And you can have your... And that's kind of what Pharaoh is doing here. He could have avoided all of this problem Theoretically, God knew he wasn't going to, but theoretically, he could have let it, let it go. But God holds him to his own judgment. And this is really, hopefully you've got all the words by now. This is really cool. Look at Matthew 7, and we'll wrap up here. Matthew 7, 1, 2. Judge not that ye be not judged, right? I mean, who, everybody's throwing that around. Why? Why should you not judge? For with the what judgment ye judge ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye mate or measure it, it shall be measured to you again. So the issue is not that it's wrong to judge. It's just that when you judge, you're going to be accountable. I cannot tell you how many times I have said words from this very spot and every other time I've had the opportunity to preach the gospel, preach the Bible, where God's like, oh really, you said those words out loud? Guess what, Mr. Dobson? You now got to live by them. I'm, gotta, I'm judged the same way, the same measure that I expect you all to be. Like, that's, I don't get any free pass. Psalm 18, 25. With the merciful, thou shalt show thyself merciful. With an upright man, thou shalt show thyself upright. And with the pure, wilt thou, uh, thou wilt show thyself pure. And with the froward, thou shalt show thyself froward. God is really amazing in that he will deal with people the way they deal with people. 
he has this real, and I don't want to call it uncanny, but he has this real amazing, like, so my wife and I were having an argument. I know, like, you've probably heard pastors, teachers, people go, I've been married for 78 years and we've never had an argument. Well, somebody's been asleep for 78 years. So, <laughs> so we were having a very hearty discussion. And it was about, it wasn't about the dog, it, it could have been, but it wasn't about, and this, is, this has been months ago. And she literally looks at me, I don't know if she'll remember it, and I'm probably going to mess up the words, and she's like, you're literally telling me that I'm doing what you're doing right now. <laughs> and I was like, crap. <laughs> because I was holding her to a standard, not of perfection, but I was like, you're doing this and you're doing that. Like, you're literally doing that right now. It's like, ugh. And she was right, as she is every other time. 100% of the time, she's right. God will judge us by judgment we judge others. Getting ready to have his, knock, his block knocked off. Because of the way he is judging others. But God gives him the opportunity. James 2. For he shall have uh, judgment without mercy that hath showed no mercy. And mercy rejoiceth against judgment. Like God will hold him responsible because of the fact that he showed no mercy. It's pretty amazing. So victory principle number two and we'll wrap up. We will all be held accountable, victory and accountability. We will all be held accountable. Choose submission. It's an easier choice. And guess what? As soon as you choose it, things are going to ramp up and it's going to seem completely unfair. And God's going to be like, were you serious or were you playing? I don't know if you remember what happened to Jesus after he got baptized. Right? But after he's baptized, is this right? What comes after Matthew 4? Matthew 5. Matthew 5, right? So, do I have that right, don't I? Yeah. No, 3 and 4. What comes after 3, 4? Yeah, it was like, didn't, it didn't seem right. So he gets baptized in 3. What comes in Matthew 4? The wilderness. A whole lot eaten and a whole lot of being under attack. Thanks. I mean, that is the way it works. And if you don't like it, I'm sorry. It works. So when you are faced with that accountability, when you are faced with that decision, I'm telling you, choose submission. It's the best thing you got going for you. A payment's going to be made. It might as well be an investment in your future. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for... I thank you for what you needed to teach me out of this. Lord, thank you for showing me that so many times I say the things, I hold people to a standard, even though it's not super serious, I expect them to do X or Y, and, and then I'm, I'm found at, at fault. I'm found wanting. Lord, just help us to understand that you do hold us to our words. You do hold us to your word. But most importantly, you give us an opportunity to submit. And even Pharaoh had that opportunity. He had that opportunity to learn about you, to understand you, 
to connect and grow, maybe even to arguably become a, an Old Testament saint. But he chose hardness of heart. He chose not to obey. And, and we're going to continue to see that. He's going to double down and triple down. And he's going to bury himself in a hole that he literally never gets out of for all eternity. Lord, help us not to do that. Help us to be broken. Help us to fall on the rock that will break us rather than to have the rock fall on us that will crush us. We love you. We ask, I, Lord, I can't even begin to, to perceive all of the different challenges that all of the people in this room, people listening and the people that will be listening, have. Lord, they're in their variety. There's a lot of different um, things we're all, that we're facing. Some sickness, some some personal stresses, situations uh, with housing, situations with jobs, with loved ones. Lord, the array is wide. And Lord, I, I just pray that you show yourself in those situations. Help people to choose submission. And when the attack comes, when the rebound comes, help them to understand that that is you at work, that you are allowing those things and that that's going to lead to the next step. I know it was hard on the nation of Israel, the children of Israel, to not to make bricks without straw. Uh, clearly they were beaten. Clearly they were hurt because of it. But Lord, you were refining them. You were hardening them for a journey that would ultimately, ultimately lead to their uh, picture of salvation. Lord, do an incredible work. I just pray under the sound of my voice that doesn't know you and Savior, that you, Lord, would just continue to convict, help them understand their need for a Savior, and uh, help them to reach out, whether it's... Amen. Before you're dismissed, we do have a need. Uh, Desmond needs a ride tomorrow for work. Uh, I can't remember if it's in the morning or in the evening. So if, if anybody can help on that, uh, just let me know. Uh, you got him?